This is the Gang Life Redemption Podcast, and I'm your host, Santiago Figueroa, an ex-gang member out of California, so let's kick it off. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so to get all my new content on Gang Life Redemption. Today's topic is Norteños and Sureños Uniting, and this is in reference to the, the Civil War that is taking place between Mexicans out of Northern California and Southern California. And first and foremost, I would like to share a quote by Winston Churchill that says, When there is no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. And for those of you that don't know uh, Winston Churchill, his specific uh, role uh, in World War II was as the Secretary of State. So he was very versed in warfare, and this is something that he had learned uh, while fighting um, other countries. And the reason why I feel led to speak on this topic is because I have done time and fought with, uh, I, I've, I've fought as an enemy uh, with the South, and I have seen that there is not too much of a difference. There's not too much of a difference. And what I want to do is look at uh, some other disputes, civil wars that have taken place within different peoples. And if you've seen on one of my tags for uh, this channel is that we would be going over history and touching on history. As the next gang member, I've met gang members and gangsters that are part of Northern California and Southern California. And I try to have, in, in these podcasts and in, in episodes, I'm trying to have an objective point of view, even though I, there, this topic, it does hit home, because I, these are my people and I grew up on the streets of California. And the civil war that has been taking place, and I say civil because the definition of a civil war is uh, a war, violence, murder, death between uh, amongst its own citizens. So we can actually label this as it's a modern day Mexican civil war. But, but first, what I want to do is I want to take a look at a few different civil wars that have taken place in the world amongst the Chinese, Africans, and even the Americans that kicked off the Civil War uh, here amongst the United, well, amongst the, the Union and the Confederates. So as I move into the, the Civil War that took place in China, it was a 20-year struggle. And my point by looking at these Civil Wars is that history repeats itself. And even though we may want to think that our situation is special as uh, Mexican Americans or or anywhere. We may think that our, our problems are uh, special or unique, but there's really nothing new on this earth. And, and we may think that we're original or unique in what we're doing or the issues that we're having, but they're not. And the way that we can find resolution 
to our issues and try to get a, a deeper understanding onto what's going on is by looking into history and seeing how those things played out. And there's a, a saying that, that says, you know, you never know where you're going until you've known where you've been. And it's something that I love about the, the Native Americans is that they actually refer to themselves as the humans. That's, that's the title that, that they have for themselves as humans. And I think that if, as we look at our issues more through the lens of humanity, that we'll be able to solve some of these problems. And I don't want to get too deep, but what I want to do is look at different conflicts and civil wars that have taken place and then see pretty much how those things have played out and how they apply to the Mexican-American Civil War that, was, that is taking place right now between the Norteños and the Sureños in California. And this may apply to other gangs, other street gangs, other prison gangs uh, within the United States. But primarily, um, I'll be discussing the North and South. So the, the Chinese conflict, yeah, which pretty much has, has built China um, over the past 20 years, was between the communists of the North and who, who fought the nationalists of the South. And what the communists were fighting for, they were fighting the nationalists for freedom. And they didn't want to be a part of, of what the nationalists were doing. And the nationalists at that point, from my understanding, had been, uh, there had been a lot of injustice and a, a lot of uh, mistreatment of the communists. And I'm not uh, picking sides here. I'm just being objective. Now, with the way that the, the, the communists begin to fight the nationalists, so you have another conflict here. It's very similar. You have its northern people fighting its southern people. And what the northern people began to do was they began to use a method in the art of war. I know some of you listeners right now may be familiar with the art of war. And it's a book that has been used for centuries and um, to strategize and to fight and to plan out uh, battle plans and war plans. So the, the, there's a, a principle in the art of war that is called taking hold. And the way that the nationalists use this, or the way that the communists use this with the, the nationalists was, they use this principle of the art of war called taking hold by inspiring peasants to fight for their land. And this is very common today also the art of war is still used um, a lot of its principles and strategies are used by the by militaries all over the world and also by gangs and i think even now it's not really allowed in prisons and books on warfare are, are not really allowed in prisons they, they screen all that material um, and a lot of times they'll, they'll take it from you if they see you having one of these types of of books you know, it, that depends on what type of pr what prison you're in, but I, I've actually seen that happen before where they'll, they'll take a book from you if they feel that it's not uh, 
um, helpful to you or edifying in a positive way. Um, but this is a principle that was used and there are gangs today. And I know specifically for the North that they have, uh, you know, a goal to establish an establishment, which is to take over uh, a unit and to be able to, uh, to lay down um, a foundation on a unit that they are, that they're on and also start recruiting and, and basically, you know, what it comes down to is establishing themselves. And so that's actually a principle that comes out of the art of war. And, and, and let me just say this is I'm not trying to cast stones at, at any specific group. My point is that, you know, what we do, we're really only doing what has been done before. And there's people that have gone before us and done things. And we may take something and, you know, maybe brand it the way we want to brand it, maybe put our name on it, which is, you know, it's, uh, this is not really the right thing to do, but this is what happens. And a lot of times people think that these, these, uh, these leaders that are set up, that these are their original ideas because they put a, a different spin on it, but they use these principles to have influence. And so what had happened was uh, in between the, before I go uh, get derailed here, between the communists and the nationalists, they actually uh, ended up uniting around the time that Japan started to invade China. So because they had a common enemy at this point, the communists and the nationalists, they found uh, a common ground to fight this enemy, which was Japan. Now Japan came into China and fought the nationalists and communists. Now, but when uh, Japan left, the communists and the nationalists, which is the North and the South, they continued fighting again. And, uh, you know, this might be something common to uh, in prison called a race riot where you have one whole race that goes up against another race. So the Chinese from the North and South united their race, the Chinamen, to fight off Japan. But as soon as Japan backed off, the North and the South, the communists and the nationalists in China, they begin to fight again. But what had happened here, and we're just we're looking back in history at these conflicts to see how they played out and, and what has happened in the past. Now, what had happened here was the communists actually had gained, had obtained a lot of weapons from the Japanese. So when the Japanese got pushed out, they left a lot of their weapons behind. And this is between the years of 1926 and 1949. And the communists got a hold of a lot of those weapons. And, and tensions began to grow. The peace treaty was broken. They actually had a peace treaty between the communists and the nationalists. Well, that peace treaty was broken. The communists of the North began to, to gain extra ground. And they began to grow. They were promising peasants, you know, we're going to give you some land. If you fight and we win, then you're going to have your own land. And the way that the peasants, uh, the, the, the poor people in that time, they, they felt like, well, it's like we don't have nothing to live for right now. So they actually were encouraged and they had something to live for because they were not happy living under the, the nationalists. 
the Chinese nationalist government. And at that point, uh, the communist Chinese uh, regiment was led by Mao Zedong, who is, is pretty known in history in regards to China. And he established the Republic of China. So he gained strength and influence with world peoples, as well as obtained, like I said, many weapons from the Japanese. And then eventually they won. And after a century, we now know globally China as a republic and communist. And that's how that came about. So it started with the Civil War. Now, I know that in regards to the North and South, Norteños and Sureños, and the Mexican Civil War, as I like to call it what it is, in California, is the numbers are a lot smaller. They're a lot smaller. And, you know, thank God there's not a, you know, genocide taking place as, as a, is very common in these third world countries as they begin to fight. And it gets very, very, very ugly. But these principles apply. And that's looking through that lens of of the Chinese and what had taken place, that's very common. It's very common that when there's a, a dispute between two peoples, one is gonna win eventually. And it doesn't happen overnight. But for the Chinese, you know, what took place, and there's still, there's still disagreement, I guess, as to who won. Um, the Chinese nationalists are actually more towards Taiwan today. And there's still people, they had retreated in a sense. They weren't just totally snuffed out. But that, that took about 20 years for that to take place and for the communists to basically you know, gain control of China. And that's how, that's how that turned out. Now, and I could probably focus on one of these civil wars, you know, for a good sufficient amount of time. But for the sake of time, I'm going to go through each one. And then I'm going to, at the end of this uh, podcast, I'm going to give you what my thoughts are, what my ideas are, and where I think the civil war between the Mexican-American uh, people is going. Because pretty much everybody's involved in this. Everybody is involved. And there are probably civil, similar types of disputes or civil wars in other states, maybe like in Texas. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of people involved. I, I, don't, I don't come across really anybody that, um, that doesn't have a family member or hasn't been impacted by uh, the war that is going on between the North and the South. And, and reflecting back on that quote, by Winston Churchill. He says, when there is no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. So, I, I sincerely believe that when I was an active gang member, that I was an enemy of my people. And I do believe that these gangs are enemies of our people. They do not help in the advancement of our people within the United States or within the world. Their primary focus and motive is to make money 
by illegal means, such as drugs, selling of drugs, and organized crime. And that leads me to the Civil War in Africa. The Civil War in Africa is it's a, more of a world war in their continent. And it's a very large continent and country. It's not, uh, it, there's a lot more people involved. You know, with the Chinese, it was just the communists and the nationalists. But over in, in Africa, we have a different, we can have a different type of view of it. And uh, as to what, it, what a civil war looks like with uh, more people involved or different types of segments involved. So uh, I'll look at the at a region that involves uh, Rwanda, South Africa, and the Congo. And I know some of you may have heard of Nelson Mandela. Well, for this world war between 1994 and, and uh, until today, um, Nelson Mandela actually had got involved in this and had tried to bring peace and had peace talks. But because there's so many factions, there's so many different types of uh, uh, peoples that are involved in the war that is taking place in, in Africa, it makes it very hard for them to achieve peace. And there are a lot of, a lot of different segments and rebels and different types of armies that are involved. And this is just a high overview um, of what's going on with this war over there in Africa. But the issues that, well, they, they've been able to advance as far as uh, peace talks and doing uh, better um, as the years have moved through, but there's still a lot of disunity and there's still a lot of bloodshed. Two of the main issues that are going on in Africa are uh, gang rapes and cannibalism as well as the selling of drugs, uh, people taking hostages for ransom, and you know a lot of different crazy things going on over there. But they have some really, some really evil stuff going on that their people are trying to get um, a handle on. But what has helped them? Now this is still an open conflict, and this is, you know, we could go in two directions. The north and the south can go in two directions. They can go in a direction to where they end up somehow finding uh you know peace or you know reconciling with each other um or uh you know just laying down their arms which is you know pretty unlikely or it can just get worse and more uh so what has happened in africa is that more states have have gone their own way and got involved in the conflict so the conflict originally started out with just a couple of heads involved a couple of people involved but then, you know, there may be uh, say like a president and he ends up kind of uh, uh, disowning or banishing, you know, one of his generals. And then his general would go off and, you know, start his own army. And then now you got four heads involved and, you know, which is kind of ha happening today with uh, in California a little bit. I know that there had been, you know, different uh, different factions or gangs that have kind of you know, started in response to uh, the North with the South. Now for, for Africa, one thing that they had did was 
to work towards their their their, their civil wars was that they created a it was in 2002 they created an, an African Union that was formed with uh, 52 leaders from every nation and their focus was human rights because of the cannibalism and the gang rapes and genocide their main focus was human rights which was the main to which addressed the main issues that were taking place within their people and uh, this seems to be helping things move in the right direction and that's where they're at right now but like i said moving on to the the american civil war so we're going to go back to the civil war that took place here uh in the united states between the south and the north and i'll go over this real high level because most of us are very familiar with this but the south they were the confederates and they basically survived on cotton plantations and slavery and the north known as the union they survived uh, and prospered um, by industrial methods which consisted of coal iron gold the rail system and other innovations um, of that time that had to do a lot with coal and those were the northern states now a civil war had started and, and was uh, taking place and they weren't finding a solution to it there was even a, a time when uh, I believe it was uh, Great Britain um, and Europe was going to possibly get involved and come support uh, the southern states the confederates because a lot of the cotton that uh, was shipped to, to Europe was coming from those southern states and because they had a stakehold uh, in uh, you know those cotton plantations they were going to give support to the south but what had happened was uh, Abraham Lincoln had seen that they were not winning and he when when they actually ended up winning a a, a huge battle he ended up uh placing the focus of the battle on emancipation of slaves because that was something that he hated he he hated slavery and he or he had come to hate slavery and um he just he didn't think it was right and so the battle the war the civil war became focused on emancipating the slaves and that's what the north was fighting for and basically it's kind of like you know history repeats itself you know the north pretty much said you know to the slaves as well you know if you fight you're going to be free if we if we win this battle you will be free and you'll, you'll be free men and women you'll be able to buy your own land the union states won and the southern states are now paying taxes to the union states and to the united states so they got basically they became one and this uh will lead me to my next uh point and my conclusion of this uh this topic but that's usually what happens so but look at the strength that came out of the the american civil war and i and i know that sometimes we may look at these civil wars or these battles as uh 
you know, in light of, you know, there's a winner, there's a looter, loser, but in, in light of us, you know, looking now, the United States is very strong and yes, it does have its issues. It's been pretty healthy most of, uh, you know, most of the years um, since the Civil War. It's grown. We still have our freedoms. You know, slavery was abolished. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of great things have happened in this country. And I believe that even more greater things are going to happen if we use our time wisely. But, you know, something great came out of that civil war. And now you have the southern states and the northern states that are united and the country that we live into today. So unity doesn't have to look like, you know, it doesn't have to be shameful. Unity is a beautiful thing when people come together and they work towards common goals. And now what, what we're fighting for and what we're living for right here in America is freedom. You know, it's all about freedom. And I believe that that's what every American citizen is is focused on and willing to fight for and uh, the freedom and the ability to pursue, uh, you know, happiness and, and a life for themselves and, and for their family. And so looking at, and as I've mentioned before, the the combat, the, the, the civil war that is taking place between the North and the South. And we can take these, these, these wars on a large scale and apply them to our people on a smaller scale. Now, a people that are divided cannot stand. A people divided cannot stand. You know, there's a, some, you know, some crazy stuff being taught. And one thing that I do not agree with is, and that's being taught in school today, is that the critical race theory, and which basically comes across to me, I'm not an expert on it, but it comes across to me as if, you know, it's uh, because of Caucasians or, you know, another race that we are not able to be successful that we're not able to be successful. And, you know, I, I was talking to uh, one of my cousins not too long ago, and I had mentioned, you know what, I would rather some classes on, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, um, how to start your own business be taught rather than critical race theory. Um, and it's because of our decisions we are the ones that are not uniting as a people today. And when I look around, and by no means um, am I an expert on, on even, even my own people. There are a lot of different types of issues that are going on. But when I look around and when, when I listen to what's going on, and even in books that I've read, I really don't see us working towards a solution for unity. And that's no fault other than our own. But if we want to stand, we, ha we, we must be united. We must be united.
And so the, the Mexican American, the Mexican American civil war is real and it can only be resolved by us. We are its creators and by our willingness to remain silent, we assist in the division of our own people. And for the civil wars of other peoples, they're, they're, they are really, hopefully, with this discussion, <clears throat> hopefully with this discussion and taking a look at, at China and Africa and even the civil war that took place here, those are on a larger scale. And I, and I honestly believe that if they can come together and unite their people, when, when faced with you know, much larger issues. They had they had huge issues going on. They had like actual war with other people and other countries trying to get involved. And on a larger scale, um, their issues and problems were were a lot bigger. And but if we can unite, if we can unite we would be definitely be a powerhouse and until we unite it is it's in my uh it's in my opinion that these gangs and the even the gang that I was a part of that they are enemies of our people enemies of our people and i've come across individuals that sympathize with the gangs, these causes, you know, that sympathize with the Northern cause or, or sympathize with the Southern cause. And I do sympathize with the people. I do sympathize with the people. But I can't honestly say that I sympathize with the cause. I don't, I can't say that. Because it's a cause that has built itself on bringing disunity to our people. And it's really no different. It's really no different. If you look at, if you get into looking at the doctrine or the teachings of Norteños and the doctrine and teachings of the Sureños um, or the ME and the NF, they're really no different. They conduct themselves very similar. Their beliefs are very similar. And this is what I see happening. I said at the end of this video that I would give my, I guess, uh, prediction or opinion where I see this uh, this war, American Civil War, going. This is what I this is what I see most likely happening, based on these three civil wars that I mentioned to you. Okay, so in China the communists became more powerful and they had more people because they gained a lot of weapons from the Japanese when they left, but they also had the peasants, so they had the numbers. And that's why the communists won over the nationalists. What's taking place in Africa right now is there's a lot of mayhem and confusion because they have a lot of numbers and there's a lot more people involved. I don't see that happening with the Norteños and the Sureños because it's just two two factions. It's just two organize uh, you know, two gangs. 
It's not like Africa where there's a lot of different tribes and a lot of different states involved. So I see it more closely related to what had happened in China. And then also looking at the American Civil War, you had the North and the South. There was kind of a, there was just a thin line between the North and the South. You know, one of them was supported by slavery and one of them wasn't. And the one that won in the end between the North and the South, it was the North. Because again, the North and the American Civil War, they had the numbers. They had the numbers and they were self-sufficient. Okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply this to Norteños and Sureños, okay, the M and the NF. So, and I'm not trying to cast no stones. I hope nobody's offended by what I'm going to say, but here's the, here's the point of all this and the nugget. This is what I see going to happen. The M, the Sureños, they have the numbers and they are also self-sufficient because they are ran. They have majority of the drug trade. And they control majority of organized crime. They are actually feared throughout the United States based on their criminal organization. And the NF, the Norteños are not. And they don't have the numbers. So what I see going that's going to happen most likely in our you know, future, probably even our lifetime, the next couple of years, I, I don't know how long. But I believe that what is going to happen is going to be just like what has happened in any other civil war that has been shaped like this, is that the North is going to go to the Yemen. And people may say this will never happen, but this is the only way that unity will be obtained. I believe that the North is going to surrender to the Yemen and the Sureños, and that they are going to end up paying taxes. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if Norteños are going to keep their name, their branding. But what will happen is, it'll, it's going to result in the North that's going to end up paying taxes to the Eme and the Sureños. And that's what's going to happen. Because I've heard about people talking about unification and peace treaties going on and different stuff like that. And um, just look at history. Look at history. And whoever has had the power and the numbers, whoever's been self-sufficient as far in, 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 in regard to, to money, production, they don't surrender to the little guy. It just doesn't happen. And whenever there's unity... Between, between the smaller gang organization or state. If the smaller state, in order for the smaller state to uni, uh, unify with the larger state, it, us, it usually takes place by the smaller state paying taxes to the larger state and then reaping the benefits and you know there being organization. But I don't believe that that's good. I don't believe that's good. I believe that if they are to unite, that's how it's going to take place. But in my opinion, like I said, I, just, I said this before, that gangs are an enemy of our people. So I'm going to tell you what that means and why we should oppose that unity of the Norteños and the Sureños. 
Because as they stand as an enemy to our people, they're selling drugs to our people. They are prostituting our people and doing, they even rob our people. So for you to sympathize with these causes, like really think about what you're sympathizing with. Because they allow these things and they do support these things. And um, this is probably for another video. But I remember I spoke to someone and they were clicked up actually like in the top of the chain of command. And um, I had been talking about righteousness and striving for righteousness. And that's really where my heart was. Even when I was active. And... I don't want to get all biblical, but, you know, there's a, a scripture that says if you if you seek righteousness with all your heart, that you're going to find it, that you're going to find it. If you seek righteousness with all your heart, that you will find it. And I believe that where I am today right now and the path I'm on right now, and if you're on that path of redeeming the time and the path of redemption, it's because you've been seeking righteousness and you're finding it now. You're finding that path. But I spoke to, uh, you know, one of these shot callers that was you know, higher up in the chain. And he said, it's not about righteousness. This is exactly what he said. He says, it's about this. It's about money. He's at the very top, the very top of the, of the structure, of the hierarchy. And he said, it is not about righteousness, that it's about money. It's about money. And whenever you have an organization, a criminal organization, and they can admit to you that it's all about the money, that means that money is their moral code. It's their, it's their focus. It's their drive. And we, what we need today is we need to have leaders amongst our people that their focus is the betterment of our people. That their focus is what is moral, what is right. And, but until that happens, these gangs, they're enemies of our people. They are enemies of our people. Enemies of our people. And we need to just call it, call them what they are. And um, stop glorifying them. And start trying to work with them. And try to help them um, because there are many people many good people i believe that there are many good people within these two gangs that want to do something good and they want to do something righteous but they do not know how they just don't know how because there hasn't really been any good examples amongst Me mexican americans in the united states that have helped publicly to uh, to help us advance and do what is best for ourselves. So I don't want to end up turning into a, turning this into a rant, but it's definitely something that hits home. I hope that uh, you know something jumped out at you. Um, if you have any questions or uh, any topics for me, um, go ahead and post them in the comments. Hit me up on Twitter, and um, you can go to my website gangliferedemption.com and shoot me an email. And I'll be happy to um, discuss it. But we have to, we have to definitely start working towards unity.
Because what's happening right now is, and I could keep going, other people are learning to work in unity. And they're advancing. They're advancing. They're growing. They're bettering their people. And they're standing together. But until we do so, until we do so, we're going to fall behind. And we need to catch up. That's right. Mexican-Americans, my raza, we need to catch up. And I'm not politically correct most of the time, so I hope you forgive me if I've offended you. But my intentions are good, and we'll get it right. God bless you.